This is Unfiltered, episode 109 for August 6th, 2014. CIA Director John Brennan apologized today after an internal investigation determined the agency had spied on staff members of the United States Senate, something Brennan had long denied. As far as the allegations of, you know, CIA hacking into, you know, Senate computers, nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, we wouldn't do that. I mean, that's, that's, that's just beyond the, the uh, you know, the scope of, of reason. Listening to episode 109 of Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show that's distracting you from all of that TV you shouldn't be watching. Yes, this is Unfiltered, and my name is Chris, and joining me every single week is the always righteous Mr. Chase. You know, I have a lot of friends, Chris. Yeah. I don't know if you knew you knew this. No, buddy, I didn't. I have loads of friends, and if you've listened to all 109 you might episodes... Have, you could have a little... People could be, uh, be keeping a collection at home, like a little... Uh, I'm surprised there's not a wiki a of Chase's like friends list. Chase's friends list. We're going to hear from some of those friends tonight. I know, lots of friends. You know, yeah. and my, my number one friend, uh, you know, President... Mr. Barack. Obama, yeah, yeah, he's here. Oh, I, 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 I will, I will uh, hold, hold, hold on, guys. Come hey, guys, on. Come the, on. Uh, the, 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 no pictures, just, uh, please. Simmer down, uh, unfiltered. Simmer down. No, no. No, we will not simmer down. we got a big show today. We're going to be talking about the uh, big write-up that came out in The Intercept. The Intercept's back. They're actually releasing... Wait, good information? Chase, breaking news right breaking here. Breaking news, right Fox here. News alert. Whoa! Watch out, ladies and gentlemen, because we've got a brand new terror list. All right. Well, another leak has surfaced through the intercept that's giving us an inside look at the government's terror watch list. We're just learning that nearly 40 percent of those on the government's terrorist watch list have no affiliation whatsoever oh. with recognized terrorism groups. 40%, Chase. 40%. So this, this is big, if you're watching the enhanced feed, the big red area right here. <laughs> yep. That is the uh, no recognized terrorist group or affiliation. So 680,000 people are caught up in the government's terrorist screening database known. It's a watch list of known or suspected terrorists. You can just be suspected to be on that list. And all these people on this list, they've had due process, of course, right? Like, <laughs> That's you know, adorable. They, they've had a jury of their peers <laughs> or something along those lines. <laughs> you got any other good ones? Uh, you know, well, what about the, the uh, what is it, the Fifth Wait, Amendment? Hold on. Uh, hold on. Say due process again. I like that one. Well, what about the people that <laughs> due process? Oh, it's a good one. You all right over there? Uh, so this database is shared with local law enforcement agencies, private contractors, and foreign governments. And I want to underscore, more than 40% of the people on the list are not recognized with any terror group affiliation. That means 280,000 people on this list have no connection to terrorism. Your buddy, Jeremy Scahill, stops by MSNBC. Now, they are the ones, uh, MSNBC are pretty much the only ones talking about this at the time we went on the air. And Jeremy is the one who wrote about it for The Intercept. He goes into how this is a new list. We're familiar with, like, no-fly lists and things right. like that. This is yep. a separate list. It's called Tide. And he goes into some details about how there's more U.S. citizens on this list than all other terrorist groups combined. I want to get to a piece you have in The Intercept, um, which is a big story on the president's, uh, this administration's secret terrorist tracking system, and that there are more people on the administration's terror watch list not connected to any known terrorist group than there are from Al-Qaeda, from Hamas, and from Hezbollah combined. 
how and why then are they on the list? Well, you know, there are two sort of main what we call watch lists. One is is what people generally refer to as a watch list. That has about 700,000 people on it. Those are people who actually have been designated through a secret process as known or suspected terrorists. And there's very flimsy standards for getting onto that list. There's another massive classified database called Tide. And, and that database, basically, you can end up on there because your phone number is in the phone of somebody who we suspect may be talking to someone connected to terrorism. So people get into that. It's a much larger database. It's classified. Um, so what, 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 what that is essentially saying is that the government has around 300,000 people that are categorized in that, in that database as not having any known connection to a, to a real terrorist organization, but they're on, they're on there anyway. And that means that the government can go and collect their biometric data, can access driver's license records, can get passport information on them, can build a sort of pro- profile of you, even if you're in there on very, very flimsy evidence. I, I think that part of the purpose of the expansion of the watchlisting program is to be used to pressure people to become informants for the FBI or the CIA or other entities where they go and they say, you know what, you're on our terrorist list. And this can, have, this can cause big problems for you. So we want you to start keeping your eye open at the mosque. And if you see something suspicious, you got to tell us. I mean, this FBI has been, been shown oh. itself to be very good at breaking up its own terror plots. Oh, ouch. Yeah, scathing from Scahill. In 2001, Chris, there were 16 people on the no-fly list, or they called it back then the no-transport list. Yeah, <laughs> that's cute. That's Last year, adorable. the count, 47 Thousand. Wait a minute, I thought you said it was 16 people. That's correct, Chris. That's, uh, that's 1 plus 15. 16 uh-huh. people. Yeah, that's a, that's a list I can right. understand. Uh, and no, it wasn't 47. It didn't go to 47. Yeah. 47,000. That's 47 with three Since zeros. Since 2001? Right. So in 12 years, the, I, whatever, what, what is it, uh, a billion percent? I, I, yeah, pretty a much. Lot, a lot. There, this story itself, the fact that there's this separate tied list uh, with very flimsy reasons to go on, the fact that it's shared with foreign countries and private contractors is concerning. Yeah. But there's also a bit of a B story to this, perhaps maybe the larger story long term. This is a quote from the article at The Intercept that we have linked in the show notes. The documents obtained from a source in the intelligence community also reveal that the Obama administration has presided over an unprecedented, unprecedented expansion of the terrorist screening system. Since taking office, Obama has boosted the number of people on the no-fly list. They, that's just, so this is where they're talking about how they've increased the biometric database, they've increased the people up to 47,000, but I think the throwaway sentence that's in that paragraph is the very beginning. The documents obtained from a source in the intelligence community, i.e. not Snowden. We are getting word that there is a new government mole leaking U.S. intelligence documents. Uh, This, of course, comes one year after the controversy involving Edward Snowden. CNN Justice reporter Evan Perez has this exclusive story. He's live with me in Washington. Evan Perez, what do you know? Well, Brooke, you know, there, there's been a lot, of, uh, a lot of speculation in the U.S. government that after Edward Snowden disappeared last year uh, and he turned up in, in Russia last August, that perhaps there could be others out there who might be uh, leaking information or who could leak information. Now we know that they've determined that there is another leaker out there. Now, Ooh. the word of this, uh, the proof of this came in, a, uh, in an article that was uh, published today in The Intercept, which is a, a new website uh, run by Glenn Greenwald, 
who also mm-hmm. published some of the Snowden leaks. Uh, and in that, ar- in that article, they, they cite documents from August 2013, which is after Snowden had already taken refuge in, in Russia. So that is perhaps the best proof that we have yet that there is someone else who's, who's uh, releasing these documents. Now, these documents today in this article have to do with uh, the, the, the databases that the government uses to track and to find uh, uh, suspected terrorists around the, around the world. Uh-huh. Uh, we, we now know that the, the database, uh, which is the biggest database, no, known as Tide, has a million names uh, in it. And that article today in The Intercept uh, first published that information. We've been able to confirm that with U.S. officials, Brooke. Yeah, he says around the world, but check this out, Chase. The second highest concentration of people designated as known or suspected, sorry, suspected terrorists by the government, Dearborn, Michigan. What? Dearborn, Michigan. What? Because they have a high Muslim population there. Oh. So they're doing profiling. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just... Nine, they have 96,000 residents. It's the largest percentage of Arab-American residents in the, in the U.S. The government adds 900 records each day to the database. Okay. The CIA uses previously unknown program codenamed Hydra to secretly access the database maintained by foreign countries and exta- extract their watch list and add it to ours. Aww. <laughs> so we go in and we get their database. Sharing is caring. Yeah, we like to share. Uh, the, CIA, the CIA loves to share. Uh, unfortunately, the NSA doesn't love to share. No. The agency that's eroded the meaning of privacy and indiscriminately peered into the lives of millions of citizens around the world is suddenly subscribing to protecting personal information. But only if that person happens to be the former director of the National Security Agency, Keith Alexander. The NSA refuses to release the financial disclosures of the four-star general who, according to reports, is currently raking in some $1 million a month for his cybersecurity consulting services. This has raised ethical questions and concerns that the former spy chief may be selling high-level security secrets and classified information for a lucrative paycheck. Misusing classified information for profit is a federal felony. Critics say the only thing Alexander has to offer potential clients is the state secrets he knows. Investigative journalist Jason Leopold is now suing the spy agency for the release of Alexander's documents, arguing they're being withheld unlawfully. Experts say Alexander's financial disclosures can only be suppressed by the U.S. president. This is just the latest in a string of lawsuits filed against the NSA since former contractor Edward Snowden revealed the agency's global surveillance programs. I like that uh, it requires Barry to hold those records back. Now, former CIA uh, agent Ray McGovern says there's really only one reason he can charge that much. Former CIA officer Ray McGovern thinks that selling classified data is the only possible explanation of General Alexander's supposedly huge profits. To think that General Alexander would have anything in the way of innovative techniques or would he work in their lab or would he would come up with new ways to <laughs> yeah, do right. their job? No, yeah. no, no, no. He would sell his previous experience, including classified information, yep. all so that he can enrich himself. Woo! Now, uh, in his defense, and I'm being sarcastic here, uh, generals like, like him, uh, four-star generals, only make uh, $220,000 in retirement. So clearly, he needs to supplement his income. 
But a million dollars a month sounds a little excessive. Now, now Chris, uh, we we got an exclusive uh, comment from Barack Obama. Oh, really? Really? I, I was wondering if you could. I, 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 I will. I will uh, hold, hold hold on, guys. Come on. I, the, uh, the, the, there's just. Uh, I, I... Speaking of your buddy Obama and that press conference. Uh, so I want to play this clip because it's kind right. of historical. Right. This is Obama coming out. We've been talking about the CIA report that's going to come out about the torture activity that took place after yeah. 9-11. And yeah. then we've been building to it. We've been playing clips since March about how the CIA spied on, on the Senate. We're going to get into that in just a second. But as sort of like setting the stage before the report comes out, the president held a press conference and, uh, you know, mentioned we tortured some folks. Yeah. With respect to the larger point of the RDI. Uh, now, we got to start by defending John Brennan. John Brennan is the guy that runs the CIA. So i got to make sure, since he's the real president of the United States, that we uh, <laughs> give him some credit. Report itself. Um, even before I came into office, uh, I was very clear. Yeah, look, I've always said it all along. I'm, I'm, I'm anti-torture. That uh, in the immediate aftermath of 9-11, uh, we did some things that were wrong. You know, just some things. Ran some red lights, some things. Yeah, we did a whole lot of things that were right. Yeah, but we tortured some folks. Whoa, whoa, oh, whoa! whoa, whoa what? What? I'm what? sorry. What I'm was sorry. that? I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. We did what? We, Mr. President, we uh, rear-ended somebody. We, we did something right. What? We did a whole I, wait, lot of things that right. were right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, we got the right part. We tortured okay. some folks. Whoa, whoa, what? I'm sorry. What? We did some things that were contrary to our values. Yeah, and our laws. I understand why it happened. So when he says this, when he goes through this, uh, listen to this. This is the pre- this is not some guy. But is he insinuating it though that well since it wasn't under his watch? I I believe what he's saying is because we were real scared, it's okay. It's not it's not against the law, it's against our values. Uh, we did some things that were wrong. We did a whole lot of things that were right. Yeah. But we tortured some folks. Whoa. We did some things that were contrary to our values. I I feel like the president of the United States approaching this like this is essentially writing a blank check to any future government agency who finds themselves in a post-emergency situation can just go whole hog, and then eight years later, the president will come out and say, yeah, well, I mean, we tortured some folks, but, but the, we were super scared. Yeah, the thing is, though, he is speaking for a former presidency, right? By saying that, yeah, the ones that you should be throwing their asses in jail, right? You're right. And the thing is, he's he's kind of it's he's doing this weird misdirection kind of a thing. It's like, probably well, because they're torturing folks right now. Yeah, good point. I understand why it happened. Yeah, uh, it's fine. I, I think uh, it's important uh, when we look back to recall how afraid people were. I mean, you know what? Like, uh, it's fine because we were scared. Uh, yeah. After uh, the t- Twin Towers uh, fell and, and the Pentagon had been hit and the plane in Pennsylvania had fallen and people fallen. did not know whether more attacks were imminent. Uh, and there was enormous pressure uh, on our law enforcement and our national security teams to try to deal with this. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it's important for us not to uh, feel too sanctimonious in retrospect. I just cannot believe this. I feel pretty damn sanctimonious right now. 
So the next line he's going to tell us is they're going to put charges on the people. We're going to have reforms, right? Right. We're going to demonstrate to the American people. About the tough job that those folks had. Oh, And a lot of those folks uh, uh, were working hard under enormous pressure. Oh, well. And are real patriots. But having said all that, we did some things that were wrong. My bad. That's what that report reflects. And that's the reason why after uh, I took office, one of the first things I did was to ban uh, some of the – Extraordinary Some interrogation of them. techniques. Some of them that yeah. are the subject of that report. Not all of them. So uh, the White House has leaked their uh, PR talking points memo. They want people to follow and uh, State Department document obtained by the Associated Press. And by obtained, they mean we're emailed a copy. Uh, the, <laughs> the Obama administration is attempting to sort of put this in a certain light. Uh, in fact, uh, the fact that all of this is even happening is a great example of how Americans' democracy works. Uh, in fact, uh, they're not proud, it goes on to say, of the CIA's tactics, but the story of illegal, indefinite torture and imprisonment is part of a larger message, one in which America's democratic system worked just as it was designed to work in the beginning to end actions inconsistent with our democratic values. That story, the document proclaims, is one in which Americans can take pride. You know, Chris, the document also writes up questions from the press yes. and members of Congress yes. that are likely to be asked right. after the report yeah, is released. You want to read one? Yeah, yeah. These, these are great. Um, I'm going I'm to give you a couple of questions okay. here. Okay. Chris, now that the report is released, is the White House prepared to concede that the people were tortured, or will these be like the non-coup uh, in Egypt where you won't admit the obvious? I will hold on, hold guys. On. Come on. I, the, uh, the, the, there's just... Uh, Mr. President, Mr. President, will the Justice Department revisit its decision not to prosecute anyone? Uh, Chase, uh, uh, look, Chase, what are you still trying to hide? These are actual questions, by the way, on the talking points doc. He's a jackass. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I know, I know. <sighs> wow. Yes, there you go. Uh, they also talk about how an act of Congress helped clear this up. Well, the act of Congress they'll be referring to, you'll probably get, you'll hear that get mentioned. Uh, that's the uh, Detainees Treatment Act. It was legislation passed in 2005. It was almost four years after the launch of the Retention and Detention and Interrogation Program, not two that they claim in the document. So get ready for some of that crap, too. There's a lot of, like, uh, they, they try to put dates and stuff. They give McCain a bunch of credit for almost overwhelmingly backing uh, uh, a bipartisan way to fix this. Like, there's a lot of, uh. a lot of circle jerking going on for people that were likely involved. Uh, and now let's talk about the study itself. So if right. you recall, the study itself has been a, the, a source of a lot of controversy. Supposedly there's going to be a report. Feinstein got all fired up, took to the floor. We've talked about that before. It's the spies versus the Senate. In January, the CIA accused Intelligence Committee staffers of improperly accessing classified files while investigating the CIA's harsh interrogations of al-Qaeda prisoners. Senators fired back accusing the CIA of spying on the committee's investigators. An allegation CIA Director John Brennan flatly denied. As far as the allegations of you know, CIA hacking into you know, Senate computers, nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, we wouldn't do that. I mean, that's, that's, that's just beyond the, the, uh, you know, the scope of, of reason. But the CIA's own Inspector General determined the agency did spy on Senate investigators. <laughs> IG findings released today revealed five agency employees improperly accessed committee files. 
and reviewed some of the emails of committee staff members. In addition to his apology, Brennan ordered a broader internal review. On Capitol Hill, Senate Intelligence Chair Dianne Feinstein said in a statement, these are positive first steps. This IG report corrects the record. Now, all of this is preliminary to the main event. The committee's long-awaited report on the interrogation program itself is expected to be released in the next week or so. And, James, it's expected to be highly critical of the CIA's actions after 9-11. Mm. I, have, uh, an extended, uh, I have an extended version of uh, the report in the overtime folder that talks about why Feinstein is pushing to actually not release it right now because she's not happy with the redactions. And this clip with your buddy Jeremy Scale kind of goes Good into... Friend. Like, maybe why that's bullshit, and also why Dick Cheney, even though he puts on a big front like he hates Obama, Dick Cheney is probably the happiest guy in America that Obama's president right now. I am absolutely committed to declassifying that report uh, as soon as the report is completed. We will uh, declassify those findings uh, so that uh, the American people uh, can uh, understand uh, what happened in the past, and that can help guide us. Uh, as we move forward. That was President Obama nearly five months ago. The report he is referring to, the Senate's 6,000-page report on the CIA's detention and interrogation program, the one that reportedly concludes that the CIA's use of waterboarding and other harsh interrogation methods produced little to no valuable intelligence, the report that asserts the CIA repeatedly misled the White House, our Congress, and the American people on the program? That report has been complete and ready for declassification for over four months now. And it has still not been made public. And by the looks of it, that is not going to happen anytime soon. Yesterday, one week after receiving redactions to the report from the White House and the CIA, the chair of the Intelligence Committee, Senator Dianne Feinstein, said she would not make the report public with the current redactions. In the statement, the senator wrote that certain redactions eliminate or obscure key facts that support the report's findings and conclusions. She added this process will take some time and the report will not be released until she is satisfied that all redactions are appropriate. Oh, of course. Many of the redactions were reportedly made to pseudonyms used in the report for covert CIA personnel or for foreign countries. But pseudonyms weren't the only things that were blacked out. U.S. officials familiar with the redacted document told the Washington Post that the administration stripped out material that showed that pieces of information long attributed to detainees had actually come from other intelligence sources. A former federal official familiar with the contents of the report told McClatchy that he was skeptical of the redactions. The story is partially about names and places, he said. With the pseudonym redactions, he continued, all of a sudden, you wouldn't be able to tell that story. Essentially, it just becomes a bunch of verbs. Something was done, but nobody didn't did it, and it wasn't done anywhere. Joining me now is author of the book Dirty Wars, investigative reporter for The Intercept, Jeremy Scahill. Jeremy, thanks buddy. for joining me. Thanks for having me. So let's first hey, talk about uh, the purpose of blacking out all of the names and countries if they're pseudonyms. What's the downside there? Right. Well, I mean, first of all, let's remember President Obama used this term when he talked about torture. You know, he said, you know, yeah, we did torture some folks. Yeah. The whole this tone, was last Friday. Right, this was last Friday. The tone that we're getting from the White House, and let's remember, we're talking about heinous acts of torture against people. But the, the tone from the White House is on the one hand, yeah, we, we, we tortured some folks. You know, we killed some folks. Yeah. And then on the other hand, they, what, what, what they're basically doing is allowing these potential criminals, people who could potentially be indicted if we, if we actually want to fo- follow the rule of law in this country regarding torture, by redacting it, they are covering up 
uh, not only the crime, but for the individual criminals. My understanding is that there are somewhere in the ballpark of 200 people employed by the CIA who were part of this program. This should be a massive criminal probe. What, what essentially we have, Alex, is a dictatorship of the executive branch of government uh, when it comes to national security policy. And this administration has continued the Bush administration's assertion that essentially when you're in the White House, you can control all of this. And that's not true. There's a reason we have three branches of government. And they're, they're, to have Dianne Feinstein right. this furious, and she, you know, people, there's this whole story about Dianne Feinstein is at a war with the CIA. The CIA and Dianne Feinstein have, had, have historically had a very cozy relationship. But for her to now be on the warpath against them is yes. very significant. I feel like the pushing of the envelope is evident with the behavior of Dianne Feinstein, who has alternately been incredibly combative in public with the CIA, which is incredibly uncommon, and at, at times accepting. But this seems like a bridge too far. If I mean, what, what could happen? Remember, Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon, who's been on the Intelligence Committee since 9-11, has sort of implied that he may use various procedures to actually put this report on the public record. Now, I'm not saying he's going to take that sort of nuclear option, but if it, if it gets pushed like this, if Dianne Feinstein jumps into that camp, the White House have, has a very serious problem on its hands. You, you, have, um, you, you, have, you, you assert that the, the, this, pre, this presidency has exceeded the bounds of authority. Connor Friedersdorf in The Atlantic talks about the expectations when Obama first came into office ending the Bush-era torture program and how that has actually served in some ways perhaps as a smokescreen for this the current administration stance. I'll read an excerpt. Obama is using rhetoric and drawing on the credibility he gained by opposing torture to present what the Bush administration did in more flattering terms than reality justifies, even as he continues letting the CIA repress much of the Senate torture report. When elected, he promised hope and change, not equivocation and whitewashing. Those are, that is a pretty searing indictment no, and the I, president. I, I not only agree with that, um, you know, look, Dick, there's this sort of thing, this farce playing out where Dick Cheney can't stand Obama and Obama's, you know, weakening the country. There are probably few people in this country more happy than Dick Cheney that Obama is in a greater power. favor. Right. So Dick Cheney's out there in Wyoming fly fishing, but privately he knows that had a Republican won, a John McCain won, uh, they would have never been able to continue the, the torture program, albeit through different means, expand the drone program. Obama has cleaned up the empire, so to speak, for the Cheney-Bush program when it comes to these core issues, and he's the chief defender now of the people that they all illicitly authorized to torture people on behalf of the American taxpayer. Hello, everybody. <laughs> you know what always bothers me about this, Chris, mm. is you, you hear about Feinstein getting all riled up, all Do you ready trust to her go. At all? Well, no. And no. you know what bothers me is like, okay, so in order for us to actually get our hands on this report and find out what our representatives yeah. did on, on in our name, yeah. we're, we're dependent on Feinstein? Right. Like, like right. that is freaky as hell. And this is the same gal that is going to get all up in arms over the Senate spying stuff, yeah. but doesn't come to our defense as normal Americans when we're getting spied upon. Right. I just find that completely ironic. I wonder how she feels about John Kerry getting spied upon. The German magazine Der Spiegel has reported Israeli intelligence eavesdropped on Secretary of State John Kerry's phone calls during his intense efforts to broker a Middle East peace deal. Yeah, yeah, get this. So this is this is what we do know. Uh, is, in, Israeli intelligence intercepted phone calls from John Kerry to help uh, sort of mold their peace talks, right, their negotiations. Now, here is the rumor. All right, what's the rumor? The rumor is that Israel shared these calls with Russia. What? This is coming from a Russian official. Uh, this is uh, okay. coming right. off of the report from Der Spiegel. Uh, this is from a reporter who says he has a highly placed source uh, in the Israeli governments and the Russian governments. 
Uh, they say while uh, Kerry's position on the Israeli-Palestine ta- peace talks was Israel's number one priority, right. Russia's number one priority was to learn the U.S. plans and positions regarding the Ukrainian separatist movement and Russia's involvement with it. The source had this to say. It's a fruitful, ongoing joint venture initiated by Lieberman thanks to his Moscow connections. Israel provides Russia with recordings of intercepted calls Kerry makes while flying over the Middle East, and Russia provides Israel with recordings of calls that he makes when he's flying over Central Asia, the Far East, and the Pacific Ocean. The source notes this joint venture became extremely important to Moscow since last February when the Ukrainian crisis started. They consider the collaboration to be fruitful on both sides. You think it's true? That's some that it's a, it's it's a little bacon. I'll be honest. Yeah, it feels baconish. It does. But you got two countries. Maybe their interests align on this particular. Maybe thing. replace Russia with China, and you got yourself a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Or replace Israel with China. I can totally see those two guys working together. Yeah. So we got more information about that new leaker in the show notes too. That's not bacon. That's legit. Sounds like we're going to be watching that story. Totally. Uh, the Intercept is, you know, Grant, Glenn Greenwald's been, oh, yeah, we might have a new leaker, but The Intercept's the one re- printing this, saying it's a yeah, source. Yeah, totally. So I wonder if that's got to be making the folks in the government poop a little bit, <laughs> right? they got to be pooping, I would Yeah, think. but you know what? Another Snowden? Ha- you know what? I I don't think anybody would be, I don't know, if, if I was a government employee and if I was going to work secrets out, I would go through somebody else. So what, what I would do is I would pass... Yeah, what I have to somebody right. else, some and patsy, have, right? Like yeah. Have proxy. you seen House yeah. of Cards? Yeah, 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 yeah. They do that. Uh, all right. Uh, look, uh, we got to move on to another topic. We got this. Is I feel like we're kind of rushing through some of this, Russian. <laughs> but there's just so much going on in a week, uh, and the supporter show is going in deeper. So if you are an unfiltered supporter, yeah. there's a lot more information. In fact, this is probably a good spot to stop and mention the way the unfiltered show is structured. And I want to make it. I, you know what? The, we had a couple of supporters say, "Hey guys, keep it brief, would you?" And you know what? We had such a good showing, and I want to say a special thank you, everybody, too, for the great show. And 14 patrons, so thank you guys very much. If you'd like to keep the Unfilter show on the air, patreon.com slash unfilter. Should yep. we just leave it at that? Yep. Well, just as a thank you to our patrons, we'll keep it short this week. Right. The only, short and sweet. And the only reason why we like to mention it is because of all the great perks you get. You get the perks. You get the, the Very good perks. perks. You guys know about the perks, and if you're not an Unfilter supporter, ask a supporter about the perks. <laughs> go find us. <laughs> go, at, go ask a local supporter. It's, it's <laughs> just like the local farmer's market. <laughs> the market, no. All right, so let's move into Cold War 2.0. Uh, this uh, week, we had more sanctions rolled out, and finally sanctions that really seem to be biting. The full details have now come out about what the latest round of sanctions entail. Um, what we're looking at is it's targets three main sectors of the Russian economy. Now, in terms of the banking sector, we've seen sanctions slapped on five of Russia's biggest banks, including the biggest Sberbank, which will stop them from uh, being able to, to sell bonds to European investors. Investors. With regards to the energy sector, what we're going to see is um, anybody who wants to provide equipment, technology towards Russia, um, and they're going to have to get approval. We're looking at things here like the uh, continued exploration for oil in the Arctic. Uh, that could be affected by this. And when it comes to defence, well, there is a, a ban on import and export of arms into Russia. However, that isn't retroactive. None of these are. Any deals that have gone on in the past, any deals that have been agreed, they'll all be fine and be allowed to progress. But they, that's basically the brass tacks of what um, of what these latest sanctions entail. These latest sanctions finally got Putin's attention. Uh, he said that Russia should signal that these it finds these economic sanctions offensive. 
Uh, but it wants to do. He wants to do so without. He says harming Russian consumers. The political tools of economic pressure are unacceptable and run counter to all norms and rules. He was quoted by saying Russian news agencies. Wow. Yeah, he's not happy. He's not happy. And so, and in a response to that, uh, he's been going out and making some deals. Now, Putin himself. Uh, he his his approval rating is actually quite high, but now that you're starting to see these sanctions start to bite, you have to wonder what's the U.S.'s plan here. Why are we why are we pushing your, these sanctions so bad? Are we trying to make the situation bad for Putin? Their economy is tanking, so that's what it's designed to do, and we'll keep up in the pressure. Oh, I'm sorry. This is Marie Harf. She's the spokesperson for the State Department, and she just said that the sanctions are designed to tank Russians' economy. Let's play that again. Because that would seem like an act of war to me. Their economy is tanking. So that's what it's designed to do, and we'll keep up in the pressure. Yeah, that's what it is. So, of course, uh, Matt picks up on that. He works for the AP. He's at the State Department hearing. They do these every single day. They're posted up on YouTube if you'd like to watch them. If you have any realistic expectation that that this latest round is actually going to do what you say you want it to do. Well, I mean, the the point here is to... Continue upping the pressure and increasingly squeezing them economically so that President Putin will make the right decision here. But if he doesn't, uh, we will continue putting the pressure on him. I mean, look, the fact that even before yesterday, nearly $100 billion in capital was expected to flee Russia. At some point, I think the Russian citizens are going to be pretty unhappy that because of his actions in the region um, and other countries, their economy is tanking. So that's what it's designed to do, and we'll keep up in the pressure. These are three key sectors yesterday. The firms in these sectors uh, really want access to the U.S., really want access to the EU, and, and are going to feel the pressure. So, you did, so does that mean the, 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 the intent of these sanctions is to, using your words, tank the Russian economy? The purpose of these sanctions is to put enough pressure on the Russian government that eventually President Putin will change his, his calculation. Right. You, you, Marie, you said tank the Russian economy, and you yeah. are the spokesperson for the State Department of the United States of America. But if he doesn't, he's going to face a situation where the people of his country who've worked so hard to be part of the international community won't be. Because and he can, he can face those consequences. Because, you, because your sanctions have affected them have very negatively affected the russian economy so matt, does matt sound like he's buying this at all like no. he's like this does not make sense well so so <clears throat> so in fact you're 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 saying that the goal here is to make it uh, painful on the russian people not at all oh, that is okay. not what i said yes, right, it is. Well, it's exactly, exactly what exactly what you, exactly what you said like, I will repeat it for you yet again, yeah. is to put enough pressure on the Russian government uh-huh. that they change their calculation okay. and do different things. And that pressure is coming because you're screwing over the Russian people. In the future. The, Part ha- of how that happens is the people of Russia say, look, I don't want to not have access to the international financial system because President Putin is off trying to invade other countries. You know, that's very true. Just yesterday, I was like, God, I'm so glad I have access to the international financial system. Yep. That's right. part of what can affect a leader's calculation, which I know you're very well aware of. Yes. A leader's uh, calculation. <clears throat> excuse me. Yes, I am. But is the, is the goal right now, then, to drive the Russian economy into recession? No. Because a lot of people say the that that's what... Is to- yes, it is. She just touted how their $100 billion was about to leave the economy. She was just bragging about that. Is to pressure... The Russian government to change their behavior. Have you come to the conclusion that getting to that point would will require putting 
driving the Russian economy into recession. No, I, that's too simplistic. What we've always said is the longer sanctions are in place, the more impact <laughs> they have. It's too simplistic. No, I'm not. I mean, that's just what I said, but that's – no. <laughs> and we want that to change the The president yesterday was asked if this is a new Cold War. He said no. This no. is a very specific set of circumstances. But whether or not it is or isn't a, uh, a Cold War or a new Cold War, it certainly looks like an economic war. Um, Yep. whether war is the right term or not, you are trying to negatively affect the Russian economy to put pressure mm-hmm. on the government. To, how Dear, is that uh-huh. not an economic yeah. war? How is that not a new east-west, since the Russians are, I mean, since the Europeans are on board with you, too? How is that not a new east-west well, we east conflict? This is a tool we use all across. Do, do you hear how she talks? Yeah. I mean, you know, Chris. We you know we put lots of sanctions on lots of countries. Do you think she believes what she's saying? Part yeah, I think so. I think she's that delirious. Do she feels that east way. west since the Russians are? I mean, since the Europeans are on board with you too. How is that not a new east west conflict? This is a tool we use all across the globe. Well, I understand she that, like, but this is she sounds like the kid. That's in the classroom yeah. trying to be smarty to the teacher. Right. Well, you know, teacher, they put sanctions on other countries. This, this, isn't, an, this isn't an east-west issue. Well, okay, well, you know, you put sanctions on the Venezuelans. You just announced that this Those morning. Those aren't sanctions, technically. Well, they're travel bans. See they're what I mean? Those do not affect sanctions. Fair enough. Yeah. The, whatever, but they are mm-hmm. steps. They are uh-huh. measures that you mm-hmm. take to mm-hmm. show your displeasure. That's what you're doing with these sanctions as well. This, the, the travel bans and visa bans on people do not impact entire economies. They impact targeted, specific targeted individuals. Your, the sanctions that you guys and the Europeans have put in place are intended to affect a broad swath of right. Russia's economy. Right. But it's right? not about east-west. We've also done that in Iran. We've done it in North Korea. We've done it elsewhere. It has nothing to do with east-west or some weird Cold War. So you're at war with Wait, look how well we've handled North Korea because technically uh, there's still a war happening there. Weird Cold War. Some weird Cold War. I don't know what you're talking about. So, look, we're just putting economic sanctions, trying to make the Russian people hate their leadership. Te- hey, technically, Chris. Technically. Technically. It's not some weird Cold War. A rollback that President Putin wants to somehow like return to. Okay, so you're not just in a... You're not just at war with economic war with Russia. You're also in economic war with Iran, with North Korea, no. with, with all we these countries. We believe that sanctions are an incredibly effective and important tool mm. to cha- that can impel countries to change their behavior. But you would also admit that thus far your sanctions have not changed the Russians' behavior, correct? Well, that's what, and I've also said last week that we don't know what they would have done if we hadn't. So. <laughs> I love that ending logic there. I cannot. This, she, wow. I know, right? She gets the all star of the day. I, 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 I will. I will. Uh, uh, hold, hold, hold on, guys. Come on. I, the, uh, the, the, there's just. Uh, I, I, uh, so uh, Germany is also blocking the delivery of some military parts to Russia, which will prevent them from opening up a training school. Uh, so Germany is starting to get in on it. However, Vlad is not not sitting this out. Uh, Putin just signed a historic twenty billion dollar oil deal with your buddies, Iran. <laughs> That's right. Iran, a $20 billion oil deal with Iran. Uh, the trade deal with Iran will see Russia sidestep Western sanctions on Iran's energy sector and obviously Russia's as well. Under the five-year accord, Russia will help Iran organize oil sales as well as cooperate in the oil gas industry, construction of power plants, grid supply of machinery, consumer goods, and architectural – or I'm sorry, arg- agricultural products. Wow. That's – wow. Yeah, but that's if that's not good enough uh, – 
But wait, Russia just more. signed another deal. They just they just inked a forty billion dollar deal with. India. Wow. Yeah, Russian Vladimir Putin and India's prime minister are expected to announce in a couple of days a massive natural gas deal during their summit later this year. This is according to India's media on Monday. Russian and Indian officials are negotiating a $40 billion natural gas pipeline that would run from Russia to India, according to the oil ministry officials that told Indian Daily Hindusin Times, I think. Uh, I think so. Might be getting the paper wrong, but yeah. So, understand. Uh, since our last episode, they inked a twenty billion dollar deal with Iran and a forty. They're inking a forty billion dollar deal with uh, India. Those Brinks countries, man, they're just uh, just racking it up, man. Russia will supply forty six million uh, tons of oil to China each year. By the way, for the next twenty five years, remember they just signed that deal right, yeah. like two weeks ago. Right. Huge freaking deal for tw- a twenty five year deal to supply China with oil. Uh, so yeah, is the e- so I guess Russia really knows how much oil and gas they have. Yeah. I, God forbid that's, they. That's what they have. <laughs> I know. I mean, God for. Well, I mean, God forbid they oversell, right? Oh no, dude, Russia's huge, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's huge, and this yeah. is what they've got, and they're willing to go up into the Arctic for it too, and be you know probably kill a lot of people trying to get it. So uh, it's. But I think what you're seeing here, as we use our financial system as a weapon, you start to see Beijing and India and and Moscow start to work together to sort of just work the West out. Like they don't need the West, right? Forty billion dollar deal with India, but twenty billion dollar deal with. Do you think, though, with do you think though eventually though this this? I don't know. I mean, these deals are great and all, but what if you can't get goods? Great. In your, oh, they're just wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're great and all until you can't. What are you going to spend the money on if you can't get goods and there's other blockages <laughs> and things like that? I don't right? think they're too worried about it. Okay. I, re- I just think it's weird. I, oh, I shouldn't, okay, all right, listen. It's not weird. It's obvious. It's totally exactly what – it seems right. It seems so obvious that if Putin says, all right, well, if my deals in, in Europe and the U.S. aren't going to work out that well, I'll just go talk to these other guys who also have a bone to pick with the U.S. It right. seems obvious. Yeah, they're my neighbors. They're close by. Yeah. I, can, I can take care of it. Yeah. And if I got that pipeline running through Ukraine – I got that pipeline. Then I'm ready to go. Yeah, so there you go. Oh, isn't that something? It's, it's, it's big money. Yeah. And that's the thing is like in, 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 in the shadow of the Ukrainian conflict and all that's going on, you look at these massive oil pipeline deals and you really kind of start to see these are the big numbers that are what actually moving the say? chess pieces. Yeah, what do I always say? Chase, I, I believe you always say the more you know, right? No, is that what you... <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, no, is it... Uh, yeah. Show me the money! That's what it always comes down to. You're right, you're right. I mean, uh, yeah. And, and don't forget, and not only they got the the what twenty billion from one deal, forty billion from another. They also have one billion passwords, right? So, <laughs> right, they're, of course, yeah. So one one point four billion, yeah, I believe. Yeah, so uh, that's pretty scary. Yeah, you got to watch out, Chase, because your account might have gotten hacked. Well, my 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 password is password. Oh well, then you're probably fine. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, if your password's password, I don't think you have to worry about it. Yeah, in fact, I'm double checking right here. Yeah, uh, it says here, as a matter of fact, Chase, uh, if your password is password, you are fine. Oh, very good. Yeah, so there that's you good go. To know. And I also use Keybase, so that's fine too. Oh, I'm a LastPass guy myself. Well, no, I'm talking about the Keybase for for encrypting messages. But no, I use oh LastPass. Keybase.io. Yes, very very yeah. nice. Sir. Very nice. Okay, all right. Yes. Uh, you know, we we have a lot we could continue on. In fact, the over, I'm reviewing the overtime folder right now to see if there's anything that like we just have to play. Right. Uh, and I don't. I, I think I think I want to leave most of it in there for you guys and uh, check out the uh, check out the pre-show folder too. I do have a clip about that hacking spree. Ooh. Do you want you want me to play? Yeah. That? Let's right. let's hear about that. 
It is becoming the crime of the 21st century. All right, let's see. What do you think it is? What do you think it is? Let's uh, see. The crime of the 21st century. Uh, Could it be... Uh, identity theft. Uh, uh, slave trading. Um, drug, illegal drug trade. Uh, no, something maybe. with pharmaceuticals. Well, perhaps, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe people are going up to Canada to buy buy drugs. Yeah, all right, okay. Let's see what it is. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's one of those. Yeah, computer enough. hacking. What? Today we I learned that, that from a like Russian crime has stolen the largest known collection of username and password combinations. And by Russian crime ring, we mean they had a VPN that went to Russia. <laughs> they put right on it. Jeff Begays is in Washington with the rest of the story. Hey, Jeff. Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Scott, the hackers targeted 420,000 Internet sites of companies large and small. According to Hold Security, the cybersecurity firm that uncovered the theft. Yeah, you guys need to go look into Hold Security. Hopefully we'll talk about this more on TechSnap tomorrow. These guys are charging to to get access to the data. And the data that they appear to have from this group is like they went out and this group themselves bought up username and passwords that have leaked, and they were they were involved in Twitter spam. That's who we're dealing with here. More than 1.2 billion records were stolen, usernames, password information, oh. as well as email addresses that Hold Security says could be used and abused for multiple services. It's like having keys to your house that fit in multiple doors. Just like that. Just exactly like that, Chase. No, it's not. Chase, uh, it's just like having keys that go no, to... No, it's no, it's not. No, oh. The I theft don't believe is him. believed to be the work of fewer than a dozen members of a Russian crime ring. Scott Hold says that it has been monitoring that group over the last seven months, but is yet to take the information to U.S. authorities. <laughs> Jeff, we're going to sit on it. Newsroom. Jeff, thanks very much. Well, dude, they wanted to charge $120 a month for, to get to sell access to it. So if wait, so so if this is all happening, I mean, where's my government to protect me, Chris? <laughs> well, Keith Alexander's uh, out making deals right now, Chase. He's been a little busy. Is he making like a million dollars in a, a yeah. month or something? But like I'm that? sure he'll get back to this real soon. Yeah, real quick. Hey, should we end on a high note? We always should. Uh, you know, uh, you might you because we're not there, and this is going to happen here too. It probably kind of already does. Yeah. Uh, Colorado, if you're there locally, their local news is freaking the f out about the roads. Like pot drivers on the road, yeah. And uh, this clip from CBS News tells us not only is it a problem with pot drivers on the road, but think about how bad the situation is for the states nearby. In Colorado, recreational pot use is now legal, but federal law says any marijuana bought there has to be used there. A recent study found people from other states may make nearly half of all purchases. Barry Peterson drove. So, so this they're saying, according to the police, that half of purchases are made from folks out of state. Do you think not surprising? Do you think that? Yeah, I don't think I don't find that to be too surprising no. either. I don't no. know if I believe it's half, but I, 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 like here in Washington, I would not be surprised at all if folks drove up from Oregon to you buy know, Oregon, something. Oregon, Idaho, yeah. I mean... Uh, Vancouver. BC, even. yeah. ...to Kansas to see what those customers are doing. 10-4, and there's somebody actively breaking into it. We'll head that, that way. 10-4, good buddy. There is trouble in Cheyenne County. Sheriff Cody Beeson moves fast. This is, is your real job. This is our real job. It's, it's a Ford Explorer. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's not anything. It sounds This is, this is really what people... This is what I'm paying for. This is what people expect. This is what people expect. Scene. Scared kids, but no burglar. We can't ignore the marijuana. So it's it's uh so he's on a ride with this guy, but he's not actually at a pot bust. He's just at a burglary. But they're talking about pot. But but wait, he just said you can't ignore. Can you back it up? Yeah yeah, I'll back it up. Yeah, yeah. And they're showing they're showing like pictures of pot. The scene. Scared kids, but no burglar. We can't ignore the marijuana. It's just hard to justify pulling resources away from things like this to put them on the highway to just strictly find marijuana coming in from that's always been my point too so don't do it colorado 
Life in Cheyenne County is more about cows than cannabis. Ah! Now, this part of the Old West is on the front line of marijuana's new frontier. Pot is legal in nearby Colorado, but when it leaves the state, it often travels across remote highways in Kansas. Oh, my gosh. In 2013, the federal Rocky Mountain high-intensity drug trafficking area calculated 288 cars smuggling Colorado marijuana. Now, so this unit, uh, their whole thing is to bust people that are driving with weed and stuff on the roads, and they calculate 288 people cross the state borders. How do they know that? Because they completely made that number up. Across state lines. That may not seem like much, but experts estimate that they are only catching 10%, meaning 90% of illegal trafficking is going unnoticed. So they're assuming that they're catching 10%. So the number they came up with is based on uh, the assumption that they're missing 90%. Tom Gorman is the agency's director. How far is this marijuana going? Is it just like next door to Kansas, or is it going farther than that? We've documented 40 different states that it's gone to. Does that make you uncomfortable you've spent your whole life as a cop you're right it makes me darn uncomfortable there's weeds in 40 states either we're a country of the laws or we're not ems arrived on scene fire arrived on scene we helped with the injured individual a car crash last year in sheriff beeson's county i love this one we have a link in the show notes that talks about this car crash this has been the poster car crash that colorado's local media because the guy crashed into like two cop cars yeah. And when he crashed, like the door busted open and like uh, jars of weed <laughs> came out, right? Okay. Now, here's the funny part, which they will fail to mention in this clip. However, right. it is mentioned yeah. in the article we link in the show notes. The person was drunk off their ass and had not recently smoked marijuana. Oh, <laughs> fair enough. Marijuana everywhere and an injured driver. Now, no mention that he wasn't actually... Uh, under the influence of that marijuana, but they do show you the pictures of the marijuana that spilled out onto the road. And an injured driver. It was not just the sheriff on the clock, but all the county's first responders. But the reality is the taxpayers of Cheyenne County, Kansas, are paying for what's happening in the state of Colorado. Oh, my yes. gosh. That's the reality. Whether it's uh, through the prosecution or the arrest or even... Um, like I said, time is money. When you're paying a deputy by the hour, he's not getting another job you want done to serve the community he's working on this Chris, issue. Chris, I have their answer. I have Kansas's answer. They don't. And, and by the way, they're going to hire consultants yeah, for this. Yeah. They, they're going to pay. They like, probably already got one. If they're doing they, this news piece, it's probably to justify yeah. this, the money they're already spending. Yeah. So, so Chris, you, you want to ask me uh, what? How the, would you, Chase? How would you solve Kansas's problem with all of uh, this time they're spending chasing down these guys that come with Colorado weed? I think the chat room probably knows what I'm going to say if you're listening live. And if you're at home, you're probably yelling it right now. Uh, Chris, that would be legalize it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And how about do like what we did here in the state, like before it was even recreationally legalized, they just said, okay, this is now the lowest priority on your list. Right. If there is, if you see somebody that stubs a toe, that's more important than you enforcing a right. cannabis law. Right. And that's, you just, you set their priorities, you stupid Idiots, you yeah. set their priorities. Right. Set yeah. their priorities correctly. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 ridiculous. They're they're so helpless. Did marijuana in crush the different vials? And you can see it's really starting to turn colors. So they have these portable testing kits. So that yeah. way they can pick up weed and make right. sure it's weed, not yeah. weed. <laughs> purple means pot. But on patrol, arrest is not the only answer in a cash-strapped county of fewer than three thousand. 
oh, is this maybe why they're pulling people over? Because it's a revenue profit generator? You stop somebody, you confiscate a small amount of marijuana. You resell you it. You just say, I'll confiscate, you get out of here. Yes. Even in sparsely populated Cheyenne County, opinions vary on Kansas money chasing Colorado pot. Somebody's trafficking drugs? Go do that. You're okay with that? You'd rather see it sped at home? Right, right. Protecting you, your family? Yes. Out here, standing up for the law is about what side of the state line you stand on. I love how the idea of like the fact that maybe they're wasting their time was never brought up. Or, so, or Chris, you know, there's the other in uh, the other flip side of my solution. Yeah, the other flip side is do what California does is when you enter the state of California. I don't know if you knew this, Chris, Mm-mm. but you go through an agricultural checkpoint. Oh yes, 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 right. Yeah. So when you're driving and they ask you if you have any fruits or vegetables to declare, right? All Kansas has to do is set up uh, checkpoints all across their state border. Uh, and just say, hey, do you have any marijuana to declare? They'll say yes or no, and then they'll move on. I got an easier solution. Oh, they okay. could just They could just look at the facts. They could just look right. at the science. Yeah, so, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. The Washington Post has an article that shows that since the legalization of cannabis in Colorado, highway fatalities in Colorado at our historic lows. Because everybody's at home high? There is a chart, maybe. <laughs> I have the chart. Yeah, scroll down there. You see that? Yeah, zoom yeah. in on that chart there. That shows you going what? back to uh, 2002. Sorry. Whoa. Whoa. That's, that's some kind of fancy uh, that, Windows I, I didn't mean there. to do that. <laughs> I, I did the wrong thing. Uh, since the new Colorado law took effect in January, the drug driver panic has only intensified. Of course. Why wouldn't it? God forbid we react rationally to something like this. Uh, uh, but as you can see from, we'll have the charts in the show notes, fatalities are down. In fact... It's the lowest line, by the way, you in guys. In 13 years. They're at a 13-year <laughs> wow. low right now. And of the seven months so far this year, they're substantially lower than they were at the same time last year. What's notable here is the totals for 2014 are closer to the safest year in 2002. Uh, and if you go by the miles driven, if you look oh, at the so fatal- fatalities, fatalities per mile, they're at the lowest they have like been in almost 22 so, years. So people are still driving. Yes. Uh, so are you saying, Chris, that, make, uh, that marijuana makes you more alert behind the wheel? Well, I mean, <laughs> this could be attributed to a lot of things. Yeah, Perhaps cars have gotten safer to, over this time. That's but true. But what it does show you is that there has not been a dramatic increase in traffic safety incidents. Right. Since the legalization of so, cannabis, but but Chris, we got to throw the story out because it's not playing to the uh, the narrative here right. of this being bad. It isn't making me paranoid and freaked out. I like my news to make me scared. Yeah, you don't want to. If it doesn't bleed, it yeah. doesn't lead. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, so, <laughs> I, you you know you see CBS the CBS Morning News ran that piece that we just played. Okay. That 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 data is from the Washington Post. Right. It's not some obscure. No, paper. it's not fake. It's... So CBS is just electively not running this information when they ran that piece because that that information came out before this piece on cbs was ever ran because that was just that was just like the other day well you know it's only a matter of time until we see on our local news another uh, uh what a hash oil explosion oh yeah, oh, yeah. or somebody getting stopped again oh yeah or whatever the oh, case may sure. be oh for sure i mean th- and this is you know we always say we're going to end it on a high note but this is one of those narratives that we <laughs> like to keep a very close eye on because you know what? We've seen the the positive effects of this, and I understand there's some people out there that feel like, oh, well, it's our, it's, you know, it's affected me and my family, and everybody makes their own personal, you know, decisions about this stuff. But man, yeah, I mean, Kansas, come on, stop wasting your money on this. I know, and and, you know and it's what? this faulty logic. And I wonder if people watching it at home were ever like, well, 
I mean, I, I do people that are watching this think about that kind of stuff? That's what I want to know. Do they are they watching the TV and just going, mm, yeah, that's really a shame they have to spend all that money in such a small town. Yeah, you that's know, really this, horrible. The, no, I, I think there's a couple of generations of people. I mean, there's 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 people that get their news through Brian uh, Brian Brian Williams. This is Brian Williams. Brian Williams. Charlie Rose. Charlie Rose, and that's who they get it from, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, they don't want to do the research because remember no. we've we've talked about this on the show. People only want to hear what is agreeable to them. Well, I think that's beginning to change. That's where this yeah, show comes exactly. from, right? I mean, this right. is this is the there's a lot to follow, and what we're going to try to do is go find all the stuff that made history this week and summarize it for you. And we try to do, try it, to do it within about an hour. We try not to go over the hour mark as much as possible. That way, it is a concentrated dose of information. Yep. Go off. Play video games, watch whatever you want, and then just check in on the Unfiltered show once a week. And if you feel like you're just scratching the surface, then become an Unfiltered supporter over at patreon.com slash unfiltered, where you get even more, plus clips. And not only are there just like the clips that we play in there, but there's ones that are like I'm adding to the overtime folder because I feel like historically we might want to be able to go back and reference those and have them available for search. So you can go into that overtime folder and there's almost an entire show's worth of clips in there sometimes. It's really, yeah. it's pretty great. So there's a lot of good content to be had every single week. And I totally. I think that's why we're here. Yeah. And I, that's, that's, I hope I hope, and based on you know, we are seeing some progress with our sub, uh, with our, uh, with our subreddit, with our patron. Those things I think reflect that people agree with us, right? And even if people don't agree, I've I've seen those comments where even if they don't agree, and I've seen it on YouTube. Well, sure, I, I don't really agree, but. I like what you guys it's are doing. It's worth considering. I mean, yeah. I always think from an I think everybody just to be intellectually honest with themselves has to consider it from a different point sometimes. And we do it with quality. Boom. Hey Chase, if people wanted to maybe, you know, give a slight influence, maybe a nudge in a certain direction for the show's content or give us some feedback, an idea of the kinds of things they'd like to see covered on the show, where would they go? I wonder if there's this place called uh, Reddit. Yeah, Reddit. unfilter.reddit.com is the place where you can head over and engage in the conversation of what really is an awesome place to be. Yeah, it's and a great place. I check that like a couple of times a week. Always the day that I'm prepping the show, I go in there, I see what people are talking about. I sometimes submit stuff. Sometimes I hold stuff to I see if they find too. it. Yeah, you do. I submit a lot of local stuff. I like to keep my eyes on the locals thing. Unfilter.reddit.com. Uh, yes. Just surpassed 1,400 readers. We're at 1,410. Ooh, nice. Crazy We've stuff. We've also got uh, ways you can contact us securely using encryption in the show notes. Those are towards the bottom of the show notes. Yep. You can also go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. Yeah. There's also the Twitters. Chase, are you on Twitter? You, you should know, try it, man. I do the Twitter. Uh, you know what? I... I tweet out about a lot oh, really? of local things. How would and I find you things. on there? At Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. Oh, yeah. you should follow me. I'm uh, twitter.com slash Chris L-A-S. You know what, Chris? I do follow you. Oh, good. You you shortchanged me on three letters, though. Sorry. Well, that's because I wanted to make sure that people are committed and willing to make that sacrifice to follow me. But you're able to follow the show and know when it's on and live when we do this show. You follow Chris or me on Twitter and we'll let you know. Absolutely. Now, uh, Chase. Yes, Chris. Got my news fix. Yep. I'm all up to date on what I need to know about for this week. Mm. Is there somewhere I could go to mm. unwind and enjoy me some gaming? You like games? I do like games. Mm. Geekgamer.tv, oh! Chris. That's right. Geekgamer.tv. <laughs> uh, we just finished up uh, a uh, Minecraft adventure called the Temple of Doom. I saw that. That looks so did you, cool. Did well, you, I'm a patron, so I get the email. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, it was so much fun and an incredible adventure. And, by the way, uh, at the end of the month, 
Penny Arcade Expo 14. Oh, my gosh. We're going to be there. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to steal Chris away for a day. So if you guys are going to be this. there, come say hi to us. Yes, right? absolutely. Be sure you join us next week, Wednesday. We start around 5 p.m. Pacific, usually over jblive.tv, jblive.info for the audio version. That's right. Thank you so much for joining us, you guys. We really do appreciate it. And we'll see you right back here next, next week. week. 